Hello there, my fellow sophisticated creatives. Welcome to JCV Art Studio from the dressing room. It's really hot. <laughs> it's really hot where we're at. Um, Ozzy's in the studio with me. If you hear panting, that's him. Um, let me just put get some perspective as to how some of us are doing here. We are experiencing experiencing 36, and it will be going up to 39 and 40 degrees Celsius weather, which I have never ever living on having been born on this island ever experienced. And I think the equivalent would be giving the state of Texas a Saskatchewan winter. That's about the the comparison to how some of us are dealing with the the heat and the ex, the extreme. But anyways, we got a cool uh, I got a cool podcast. Um, first, this podcast is created on the traditional territories of the Ha Lut First Nations, and today I have an indie filmmaker, author, and podcaster Ashley Good on the podcast. Ashley produces her own films through her production company, Black Frames Communications. Ashley is also an author, and her first novel, Mary and the Alien, was published in July 2020. Ashley's podcast, Ready, Set, talks about the indie film industry, I have listened to her conversations with directors, with actors, with costume designers, and um, it's it's really cool. It's a really cool podcast. And Ashley is the director <laughs> of the annual Foggy Isle Film Festival. And like me, she's got to have her coffee. Ashley, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Joanna. Good. Isn't it weird when you're on the other end of it, like on the other side being interviewed? Extremely, extremely. <laughs> I've, I've, I've had a couple of interviews and it's just like, I don't know if it's a control thing, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a little different. So, and Ashley, just one moment, Augie, Ozzy, Ozzy has decided that um, he wants to get out of the, the studio for, so just one moment, please. No worries. So, Ashley, you and I have a few things in common. We both know Pip, my editor, and I understand your friend, and I like to think my friend too. Um, we both like our coffee. We both like to write. We both have an appreciation of or a passion um, or an occupation, such as yourself, for filmmaking. And we both have our own podcast. Um, so first, and I want to talk about your book. There's a lot I want to talk about. So let's, let's start with the podcast ready, set. Um, I started mine during the pandemic because I just really needed to connect with people. And the only thing I thought I could talk about on a weekly basis, um, was being an author and writing. So I wanted to know why you started your podcast, Ready, Set, and um, did you have a particular goal in mind when you started your podcast? So like yourself, 
I started my podcast almost a year, I think exactly a year ago now. Yeah, I started the podcast during the pandemic just as a way to connect to people, to reach out to filmmakers and other people that I'd either met before and I was afraid of losing contact with or, you know, new people that I thought would just be interesting to speak with. Um, It has evolved a little bit. It started as purely an interview show. Uh, It was purely conversational, but now I also do some solo episodes where I it's not just film centric. I start to rant about celebrity conspiracy theories and what I ate that day. The The point of the show, um, while, it's, while it started with me trying to have conversations, it's kind of evolved into a cry for civil conversation and a happier world. I feel like everybody's so divided these days that I just try to talk about things that'll bring everyone together. We can all have a laugh. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, and this morning at 630, I'm trying to stay cool, doing a little bit. And when, please, people, when I say I do yoga, it is not a pretty sight. Okay. <laughs> I, I do it now because I have to, because my back keeps getting sore. Okay. So it, trust me, I'm, I'm not the, the the what you think of lululemon would not ever approach me okay to endorse anything okay from what i can see you look like you're in pretty good shape joanna okay. you're being very hard on yourself <laughs> the thing is what i had heard from the yoga instructor through my app is she said our brain has a natural like negative tendency to see the negative so i think we need we need podcasts like yours to have actually a real conversation instead of what, what you see on, I don't want to say YouTube, but some of those, some, I won't, I'm trying not to paint with a, a wide brush here. Some news shows I see, I feel like they're not reporting. They're just trying to get a headline. So they're not trying to have a discussion. So anyways, yeah. So I've learned from your podcast. Um, I told my spouse how one of your guests made a heart out of beets. And I think it was condoms. Okay, Yeah. Yeah. Deanna Milligan, (laughs) you know, and I thought that was rather fascinating. Like just the the creativity with that. Um, And I heard your podcast with actress Joanne Wilson. And as I was listening to the podcast, I thought, oh my gosh, like thinking of my little book trailers I've been trying to produce. Her voice, I thought would work as the voice for my heroine, Jay Time. Okay. So, and, and it's weird because well, well, you know, with we'll get into your book. So I'm trying not to go off on a tangent here. So speaking of your podcasts, I got to admit the caviar and the Girl Guy Cookie episode was one of my favorites. That was <laughs> very brave of you putting yourself out there like that. So do you have a favorite episode or a favorite experience because of an episode? I don't want to give the political response and say they're all my favorites because I think if you listen to my tone and some of them some are clearly better than others um I think my favorite part though is honestly seeing how much I've improved from episode one 
onward. Um, I know when things started, the audio quality wasn't great. I was still gaining my footing with confidence and everything. I had kind of a little, like a little mantra or mantra. Yeah. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I had a little mantra before I had each conversation where I was just like, be confident, calm and collected because this is my show and I don't need to be the nervous one. Um, And now I just sit down and I'm like, oh, hey, I'm talking to, you know, Stephen Kirshner, who is at the sock, or I'm talking to Robert Connolly, a folk music singer. It's the podcast. Well, you know, I created it to try to have these conversations. I found it's also helped a lot with my own personal growth and confidence. And although there are millions of podcasts out there right now, I'd like to encourage anybody that's thinking about starting one to just go for it. I mean, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. That that was me. I agree. That was me too. And what I find now, now I, I know I kind of put you on, uh, maybe I put you on the spot with that question. So I think I should be fair. And I think of with my own favorite episode or favorite experience, um, you know, it's, it's, it's when you have a conversation with someone and, you know, you, you don't realize that maybe this is, this conversation was the thing that, that kind of uplifted their day, or you don't realize until after you turn off the recording that that person who you've just interviewed, says to you, you know, I've had the crappiest week of my life and this podcast is what kept me sane, you know? So it, it's not that I'm, I'm doing anything groundbreaking, but it's just like, it's connecting and having a conversation with someone, right? And and showing an interest in what someone else is doing, right? So, yeah, okay. Now, on your podcast page, on your website, you have written, Ready, Set, aims to highlight awesome people creating things on their own terms. So leaping from that statement, let's start with your young adult novel, Mary and the Alien. And how did you come about to decide to write Mary and the Alien? And was that something that came because of this pandemic? I'm worried I'm going to ramble with this answer, so bear with me. I also want to go back and say that uh, caviar and girl guide cookie episode. Yeah, caviar is disgusting. It tastes like fish water. Don't just just avoid it. I cannot warn you all enough how bad that was. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> my novel, Mary and the Alien, um, it started as a short script that I wrote that I wanted to film, which turned into a feature length uh, screenplay that I wrote, which then when the pandemic started, I was like, I'm going to turn this into a novel because I really wanted to make that movie, but I didn't think I would ever get the resources to make, you know, it would require a budget. I didn't think I'd get the resources to do that. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to turn it into a novel. I revamped the story a little bit because it did originally take place in Roswell, New Mexico during the Roswell crash landing. But then I thought, no, let's, uh, you know, let's change this a little bit, shake things up and make it take place in Falkland because I was also trying to, it was a little tongue in cheek because Canadian cities and towns in the film industry are always used, you know, as American towns and cities and they never get to play themselves. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take an American city, Roswell, and I'm going to 
change it to Falkland, British Columbia. Um, but what actually inspired the story, um, it was twofold. I had, I was actually inspired by some props that I purchased. So I have a friend that owns a haunted house and he was selling some stuff. And I actually tell this story in my podcast episode that comes out this Tuesday. But anyway, <laughs> so I was going through all of his props and I found this one monster hand, which it's somewhere yeah. back in my pile of stuff. Anyway, I found this one glove and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Where's the other one? He's like, I actually don't know where that is. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy that one glove. And then as I was writing, I was like, okay, so I'm going to have an alien, but why would he only have one hand? Because if I'm ever going to film this, I only have one glove. So that led to me thinking of the alien and then, oh, he gets injured. So he has one hand and it kind of built from there. I was also really trying to tap into the hot, dry atmosphere of an Okanagan summer, uh, which feels fitting for today's conversation since it's a scorcher out there. But yeah, uh, many things inspired Mary and the Alien. And I hope that answered your question. It was kind of rambling. Yeah, no, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. And I so like your book. Uh, There is just, like I say, I am hooked on it. And I remember, I don't know when, when, whether it was when I was a teenager or a little older, but everyone was talking about this novel called, it's a classic, The Little Prince. And that's the book I thought of because it's, there's just something about it. And I am cheering for Mary. And I am, I, uh, how do I say this? I was a nerdy kid in school. Like I remember Okay, I'm gonna make sure I don't ramble on about this. Okay, you you hold up your sign or do something like cut Joanna. Okay, <laughs> so you know I remember being on the school bus. That's a whole other education growing up. Okay, and you know you get something like someone's umbrella in your ear or something like that. So poor Mary, she has these struggles, and you're just you know she's dealing with issues such as an alcoholic stepdad and bullying. And so I was just wondering why, what made you think, okay, little Mary is going to have to deal with these issues. I mean, not every child has a super happy life. And I wanted to explore darker topics that I thought would resonate with those kids that maybe have lived through those experiences. I mean, it, I don't find it very comforting if you're going through something to read super happy, fluffy stories. I, you know, just like if you're sad, you want to listen to a sad song. Sometimes you don't want to listen to a happy song. So yeah, I just wrote it for the kids that are maybe having a tough go of it. And maybe there's something in Mary's struggles that they could relate to and hopefully be inspired by. Um, One of the other inspirations for Mary and the Alien was actually uh, Gary Paulson's book, Transhell Saga, that I read when I was a kid. Okay. And a while ago, I was actually trying to get the rights to that book because I wanted to write a screenplay ad- um, adaptation, which of course is ridiculous. I know I'm an independent filmmaker. Gary Paulson's massively huge. Um, but yeah, so long story short, I did not get the rights <laughs> to write Transal Sega. So I was trying to write my own book that captured the feelings that I felt with that book. It's a completely separate story, completely separate world and characters, but I was just trying to capture you know, the mood that I felt as a kid when I read that book. And I wanted to put that into Mary and the Alien. Yeah. Like I have, 
Okay, so I have about two books on the go. And with Mary, that that laser gun she has, <laughs> I'm like, you go, girl. Like, you don't lose that, <laughs> right? And part of me, the adult in me, is thinking, because I haven't reached the end yet. Okay. Oh, no. And Uh-oh. I'm just, yeah. Uh-oh. I'm Sorry. Just like, no, I won't spoil it for you. <laughs> okay. I'm glad I said that. And I'm just kind of like the adult in me is thinking, okay, is the laser, that gun, is it a metaphor for something? Like, you know, so the adult in me is like, okay. So, okay. But I am really rooting for her. And it's, it's, and like you said, not every child grows up with the white pickup fence type of 1950s mom, you know, like household. So, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I've been, so being a creative, you've kind of already answered this question. Oh, no, no. Well, like I'm thinking being a creative, have you thought of turning Mary and the alien into a film? And you've kind of answered that already, right? Like you, it started as a screenplay. Yeah, it started as a screenplay. I mean, if it was ever to become a movie, that would be incredible. I'm a bit of a control freak. So I sort of think I would have to do it myself, but I'm also not the best filmmaker. So I'm like, I'm not sure if I could do Mary and the alien justice because I do love this little book and I'm immensely proud of it. I do want to say the ray gun is not a metaphor for anything. I am incredibly (laughs) surface level. I'm very blunt. What I write is what I mean. What I say is what I mean. There is no way to misinterpret. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, it's, it is cool. And um, yeah. Yeah. So is, oh, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to ask you this question, if there is a sequel for Mary, because I haven't reached the end yet. Should I skip? uh, Okay. So I hadn't originally planned on writing a sequel, but yes, that is going to be the book I'm starting next. It will be called tentatively Mary and the aliens. If that's any teaser I'm also planning on having it well this book now this might be a little bit of a spoiler but I don't think you'll be able to figure out how I make this time jump so this book took place in 1947 yeah uh, Mary and the Aliens is going to take place in the 1960s in Victoria oh cool so you might find it interesting to see how we get to that yeah cool cool okay okay so shifting a bit more we're gonna head over to talk about films and the foggy isle film festival um i've been creating book trailers for both my books uh (laughs) i can sit for hours you know and now i'm feeling how do i say i'm feeling very humble because i know you're a professional you're a filmmaker okay so i can sit for hours and i i look at film stock which you're probably cringing hearing that but it's legit film stock I pay to I purchase the the film I use right so that makes me feel good that I'm because sometimes I find you hear about some companies that they're stealing art ah what people don't know is uh, (laughs) I actually just held up film like a reel of film okay so okay I'm trying not to get distracted here (laughs) okay so I have used some of my own footage for the second book trailer just using the video option on my cell phone and um, I realized that doing a book trailer creating a book trailer for me was another form of storytelling okay like how can I take this story and like get across and 
kind of like the idea of what this book is about. Um, I know I'm hoping I can create more book trailers because I have a blast doing them. So tell us about the Foggy Isle Film Festival. God, that was a long winding road to get to that. So why you have submissions from all over the world, like from Iraq, from New York, from other areas in the U.S., Ireland, locally, Salt Spring Island. So I'm wondering who can enter it and why did you create it? Can I give you another long and meandering answer? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd like to preface by saying that Foggy Isle was actually created for the same reason I don't like to make book trailers. And that's because I have a hard enough time getting people to watch my own films. You know, I can't imagine trying to make a you know, a book trailer as well to promote my book. It's so much work, promotions and marketing and everything for your projects can be so exhausting. It's so exhausting. So I created Foggy Isle as it's basically the film festival equivalent of the Island of Misfit Toys. It's meant to be a home to the, you know, independent shorts that don't necessarily fit into other festivals, Mm -hmm. i.e. other more pretentious snooty festivals. Um, So yeah, Foggy Isle aims to showcase just the best and of the weird and wonderful submissions we get. It sort of focuses on creative horror films as well as dark comedies or like extremely depressing shorts. Um, Like the submission we received from Iraq called Happy Birthday um, in our first festival. That film was... So as the director of the film festival, this thing is my baby, but I do have a committee of, you know, friends that help me make the final decisions. Yeah. And they were like, we can't pick this film. It is way too depressing. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm using my veto. We're including Happy Birthday in this film festival. And I remember screening it for the audience. And it was like the air got sucked out of the room. Everyone's just, oh, my God, this is so dark. And then every somebody started laughing. And I'm like, okay, now you get what I'm going for. It's so dark and so beautifully shot that it just, I wanted to elicit that response. And I'm so happy that it did. Um, but yeah, the Foggy Owl Film Festival, uh, we are currently accepting submissions up until the dead last chance deadline on, on August 1st. People can submit through Film Freeway uh, directly. Just go to filmfreeway.com slash Foggy Owl Films. Or if you go to foggyowlfilms.com, there's also the link on there. The event itself is set to take place on October the 2nd. It will be live, thankfully, at the Victoria Event Center. And it's also going to be streamed online live during the live show. So because <laughs> last year ended up just being online due to the pandemic, we did reach you know, some audiences in the US and everything. And I wanted to continue that growth, which is why it'll be in person and online so we can reach everybody. Excellent. Excellent. I was just going to ask you whether it was going to be live. Yes. Yes. Good. Oh, good. That was a really long answer. I'm sorry. I That's all right. <laughs> That's all right. We're doing good. I'll give you a really long lead up to a question. Right? <laughs> so, okay. I haven't taken any sort of film training. I haven't, um, I, I haven't participated in any sort of film studies program anywhere. And I have a really basic question for you. Um, so can if consider if I was to go to a film study 101 class, would there be something such as the five basic principles of what makes a good film? And would you share those with me? <laughs> 
I don't know. I didn't take film studies. <laughs> okay. No, my background was in media studies. I think there were a few film courses uh, thrown in there. It's more sociology. Um, but yeah, I honestly, I I'm just gonna be honest. Yeah. I hate the rules. I hate when people try to make things that they think other people want to see. Modern media is getting to be so boring with the exception of a few shows that are coming out. Um, shout out to Kevin can F himself. That's pretty creative. Uh, it just started I'm trying to think of other creative shows right now. And I'm literally drawing a blank. Um, but yeah, uh, things like save the cat or whatever, and all of those film guides, I think it's just a good way to make sure everybody creates the same generic garbage. And I mean, sometimes that's what's needed to quote unquote, make it in the industry. But if you genuinely care about just meeting, making an original and creative piece, just make what feels good to you and, you know, get feedback on it, but don't try to fit into a box. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Cause I know sometimes I feel with being an indie author that like, here's the thing with the first film book trailer I did, I, you know, part of me is thinking, you know, I'm sure some individuals, some may say, oh, Joanna should have at least hired out that out and got a professional to do her book trailer. Um, but, you know, I had so much fun with that and there the memories I have attached to that first one, you know, I, 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 I said to my spouse one day, I go, I need you to be the voiceover. And he's like, Oh, really? And I like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, and what people don't know is, so we sat where I do my podcast and I set up the podcast mic and I said, these are your lines. Right. And I, I kind of went and what people won't see is I kind of pointed my finger at him, like go, and he just burst out laughing into the microphone, you know, and it got to the point where he said, you have to leave. I cannot do this here with you pointing your finger at me, you know, to go. So, you know, if I would have hired out for someone to do that first book trailer, I wouldn't have that memory, you know, and we wouldn't have had those laughs. And especially during these times, I think we need as much laughter as we can get. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So what do you, what do you look for in a good film? Um, like what is your, your, your benchmark um, in an independent film? What, what do you like to see? Can I actually address your earlier point? Is yeah. that okay? Yeah. Um, just about you talking. I, I just wanted to say to anybody that's interested in getting into film or writing their own novel, the lack of resources can be the best and the worst part. I mean, yeah, it sucks when you get declined for a grant. It sucks when you have to like, ask people to help you for free and stuff but it's the best part is bringing around you know using getting help from your friends your family and like building that community I mean that's what it's all about I was thinking a while ago about what it would be like to quote unquote make it you know and okay so maybe there would be more money involved but then what yeah. You know, you're going to be surrounded by other people that you don't know. I would much rather be an independent creator and be surrounded by my friends who are doing the same thing and having the same, you know, having a great time. Yeah. Like if people are watching your book trailers online or whatever, it's the same as them watching, you know, your book trailer. If you were JK Rowling, it's, yeah. I hope that makes sense. It does. Okay, it's, so to answer your question, <laughs> what I look for in a good film, I mean, I like creativity, original stories. I mean, obviously 
everyone wants to avoid bad acting and bad audio quality and stuff. But if it's, you know, well acted, I, I just want it to be original. Yeah. Okay, good. And, oh my God, I was going to go back to your last comment. And I think I've just lost it. It's, oh, it'll come to me near the end. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. It's interesting what you were saying about some of the traditional, uh, I'm saying traditional generic uh, shows. I'm going to just refer to like TV shows out there because. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm burning a lot of bridges on this episode. No, I didn't no, no, want to no. insult anybody's work. No, 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 no. You know, because I get the question a lot of where do I get the time to do these things? Well, honestly, I do not watch TV. I because I don't. I remember once watching a comedy, which everybody said was funny, and I was sitting there, and I'm hearing the laugh track, and I'm not laughing, and or else I'll watch something on TV, and I'll be thinking, "Well, oh, she should have said this. Then I would have made better dialogue." <laughs> oh, you know? right. So I don't watch TV, and my evenings are filled with doing like podcast editing or writing. So now having said that, I am a huge fan of the Umbrella Academy. Okay. Um, personally, I think season one was better than season two. Um, I've had discussions with people who are also fans of that show. And we thought there was more music in season one. And for me, so I ask, I don't know if you've seen the, the final scene in um, the Umbrella Academy in the first season. But to me, as an author, that final scene was epic. And I still remember it. And I remember when I was watching it, I thought, I hope one day I can write a scene that is that cool. Um, because what you have is, I'm just going to explain it a little bit for the listeners. You have like that bad guys with machine guns and they're wearing bunny masks. Um, they're firing machine guns and all our heroes are flawed. Okay. One guy's trying to get over, you know, uh, hair, uh, an addiction. They're at a bowling alley. They're running down the lanes of the bowling alley and the music in the background is the uh, Bay city Rollers song. And it's, I think I remember it was in slow motion. There's things blowing up. There's just, it's total mayhem. And I remember I watched it twice and I just, I watched and I had a smile on my face and I thought, this is cool. Like from, it really got, I really enjoyed it. So I'm, if I was to look at that, I'm thinking what for me, for my taste, made it so cool was it like what ingredients did it have is it just the complete the complete mayhem what what do you think is it the complete absurdity of bad guys wearing bunny masks with machine guns and a bowling alley and throwing the bay city rollers <laughs> like i'm sorry i'm not sure what your question is oh yeah i think i kind of really messed that up so what no, do you think it's... with with what i described made it for me had made it have such an impact on me was it the absurdity of that scene I mean I can't tell you why you liked something everybody you know appreciates things for different reasons I've also watched the Umbrella Academy it's a good show I'm a big fan of Gerard Way and you know I grew up with my chemical romance so yeah Yeah. of course I'm gonna like the show Um, but I mean my favorite moments personally were 
like the banter with the one guy and the woman at the donut shop. And I like the scenes with Klaus and the other, I'm forgetting his name, the old man, you know, the kid that plays the, what's his name? I can't remember his name. He's like the dad. Is it the dad we're thinking about? No, not the dad, but he went into into the future and then he aged and he came back and he stuck with his body. But him, for the record, that actor, he steals the show. He is so insanely talented. That kid's going to go places. But yeah, my favorite moments were like him and Klaus, you know, and their banter and everything, or even him with his mannequin girlfriend. I just like the small, the small little moments in the show more than the epic scene. So it all comes down to personal preference. I like, personally, I don't like when people are ashamed of what they like. I'm a big proponent in that. There's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. Yeah. So yeah, I can't tell you why you like that scene. I mean, maybe just because it was really well done, but like, you can't tell me why I liked the scene in the you know, the mall with the mannequin. It's like oh, our brains are different. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's the thing. It's I know that young the he's a genius. Like he's an old man, but in stuck in a 12-year-old's body. You know, and he's his love he believes is this in this mannequin. And uh, you know, I'm just thinking if you were to try to pitch that as a story you know you got this old man who's in a young boy's body who loves this mannequin you know but it it's works I never knew you liked the Umbrella Academy cool yeah no great show okay. definitely looking forward to the season three yeah yeah so I listened to an author on the KWL podcast and she shoots her own book trailers And she hires actors and she creates the scene and she films using her cell phone. And I'm wondering, have you ever filmed a scene using your cell phone? I haven't, but it's more out of spite than that. I don't think you can, you can't do it. I mean, cell phones and their cameras, they've come such a long way, but a couple of years ago, you know, I went out and I bought like my nice little camera that I used to shoot my films. So yeah, my cell phone might actually be slightly better than my camera at this point, but I refuse to use it just because I spent all that money on my camera. Yeah. yeah. Can yeah, I see no. camera? Oh, it's just, it's an Olympus OM something, something. I'm honestly not that best or that good at telling you what all the gear is, but yeah, it does 4k and everything. Um, but I use this for most of my stuff. And then I've, I don't know if you can see, I've got like a row of film cameras along here. Um, yeah, I've started rescuing, uh, quote unquote, rescuing old cameras from the thrift store as well. Um, I bought an eight millimeter black and white camera for like 20 bucks. And I've got an, a super eight millimeter film camera, too, that I'm eager to get some film and try out. But I've actually been developing stuff in just my bathroom behind me here, too, which is why I was showing you that film stock earlier. Yeah, yeah. What, what people don't see is Ashley is in her studio and she's got like the coolest studio. I, when, before we started, I was looking at all the lights, <laughs> masks and scars. So cool. Okay. It's busy. We'll say that. It's busy. <laughs> so if I should one day decide that I want real, I want actors, real actors, instead of using film stock for a book trailer. Okay. And I have next to nothing for a budget. Um, where where would you recommend a person could go if they wanted to uh, enlist or hire with the next to nothing budget? Okay, <laughs> actors. Um, 
you know, because like with this second book trailer, I had like real scenes in my head, which I I couldn't do, which I would have loved to have filmed, but uh, time and just not knowing how to go about getting actors or how, how, what, what would you recommend? What would you, where, where, if I wanted to use actors, like I truly do not want to put out an ad saying on in social media saying I'm looking for actors. <laughs> well, there's an actor farm up Island. You could just go and rent it by the hour. No. <laughs> um, uh, well, I was going to say the easiest way is to make a Facebook post, but what I would recommend doing is, you know, networking. Yeah. going to film events, going to different actor meetups, um, okay. especially if you're wanting somebody to help you for little or no money, you know, it's, yes, a lot of actors will do that for exposure. And I have, you know, casted people before that weren't getting paid. Um, but for the most part, people don't want to feel like they're just being used. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's good to network, to get to know these people and to show them how, you know, you can help them by promoting their acting or giving them a shot in your trailer and vice versa. Also a happy crew is a fed crew. Always make sure you feed your actors a lot of good food. That's one thing, one rule I will never break. I will never not feed my crew really good food, Yeah. but yeah, just, just network. Um, or heck, if you have some friends that, you know, have an interest in acting, I mean, our mutual friend Pip, she's been in the background of a few of my things. She's a very talented background yoga actor. So, okay. I didn't know Pip, Pip does yoga. Hey, well, she did in a scene for pity party. Okay. Okay. I hope she never ever sees me do yoga. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's good advice. That's good advice, Ashley. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like I said, I had actual real actual scenes and, um, so maybe like the third one, third book that comes out, I'll, 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 I'll follow up on that. Yeah. Could I give well, you Ashley, some advice for casting? Just a quick little tidbit. Yeah. Just try to cast people. I mean, is this could be insulting if you're casting them for a not so nice character, but like try to cast people that you think can just believably play that role, you know, mm -hmm. naturally. Um, because if somebody is new and they're starting out and they don't necessarily have all of the acting tools that they require to deliver a super powerful performance, just, yeah, look for people that already encapsulate what you have in mind for that character. Okay. 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 I okay. That's, that's really good advice. Okay. I'm thinking, I'm thinking now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Ashley, I've really enjoyed talking with you. I really have. And um, what are you working on now? So are you working on the sequel, the next book? I actually just finished um, the first draft, now it's being edited, the first draft of my book, Just Add Water, which is not a follow-up to Mary and the Alien, but it is another young adult book. This one takes place in 1994, Kelowna, and follows um, this young girl, Taylor, who moves from the small nowhere place of Craigalachi, so past Sycamuse. She moves to Kelowna to live with her big sister, and she also happens to buy a little girlfriend toy that comes to life oh neat yeah neat. so that's uh my next book that'll be out I'm hoping sometime in August or September and then just working on my podcast Foggy Owl Film Festival and a little documentary I have on the go and that has become the bane of my existence <laughs> okay. okay cool well 
if if you'd like, and this wasn't too much of a of a <laughs> too too hor- a horrible. Not a, what I'm trying to say. If this wasn't too bad of an experience, I'd like to have you back on. on oh, anytime, podcast. anytime. Yeah. Yeah. you're wonderful. No, <laughs> I've had coffee. <laughs> right? <laughs> like I always tell people, talk to me before I have coffee, and you may not get the same person. <laughs> right? So, um, it's been great talking to you, and if. Is there anything you'd like to add and where can people find you on social media? Well, just again, thank you so much for having me on the show. I think it's really badass what you're doing and putting yourself out there and talking to all these authors. And also it's great of you to give me and other people, you know, a platform to promote our work. Um, If people want to know more about my work, they can follow me on Instagram at BLK frames. That's my production company. So just at BLK frames, the podcast account is at ready set pod, but I don't really post to that. Otherwise, everything is just listed at ashleygood.ca. Perfect. Okay. That's what I'll do. I'm just, I will do that because I'll include that in the show notes. Yeah. So um, people, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, Ashley's podcast, it's the easiest way to find it. This podcast is at jcvartstudio.net and um, on Spotify and a lot of other different platforms. Um, And I hope everybody stays cool, stays hydrated. And Ashley, thank you so much. Thank you.